Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal some entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is presented by Dynamic Manufacturing. Since 1955, Dynamic Manufacturing has a relentless commitment to quality and customer service when it comes to your automotive needs. They've been named General Motors Supplier of the Year 22 times. And whether it's remanufacturing, machining, electrification, motorsports, and much more, there's nothing Dynamic Manufacturing can't do. Find them on the web at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com and by Raul Jewelers, who offer the finest in rings, bracelets, earrings, necklaces, and much more since 1982. They specialize in custom design, so if you're looking for that right gift, especially during the holidays, head to Raul Jewelers on Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, and they're on the web at rawljewelers.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats. Look for them at polinamarket.com, and by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago. Chicago's hot dogs and a landmark institution since 1893. They're located at ViennaBeef.com. This week we feature part one with the popular voice of the Chicago Bears, Jeff Joniak. He single-handedly changed the way teams build their special teams units, both punt and kickoff return. Seriously, they had to deal with this guy. And you know what? Everybody stopped kicking to him for a while, but they, if a missed punt, miss hit, I mean, happens, I mean, I remember the Denver game, Todd Sauerbrunn, the former Bears punter, you know, 
miss hit a second time to Devin, and he just he leaped Sauerbrunn to get in, get into the open field and finish the job. And to think he could have been the next Al Roker. Instead, Jeff Joniak joined a list of impressive Bears play-by-play announcers, and believe it or not, he's been at it now for over 20 years. A noted workaholic, Joniak is just about 24-7 football, save for his afternoon sportscats at WBBM News Radio, and two daughters that occupy this rather hectic life. And no, he's not ridiculous, but the word is synonymous with history in the broadcast booth. So, Jeff Joniak. Tell me a story. I don't know. Oh, Big George. Well, thanks for having me. Nice intro. Um, you know, the ironic thing about your uh, title here is that I often talk about this with young people. But when I was working at the old WMAQ and Lorna Gladstone, a popular and famous uh, sports radio executive here in Chicago, was mm-hmm. my boss. And in the interview process that she would include me in on, with uh, potential candidates for various jobs in the sports department. Uh, she would welcome somebody into the office. I would sit on a couch, she'd be behind the desk and I would be looking down at my paper. And all of a sudden, the first time it ever happened, she said to the, uh, to the interview candidate, would you like a cup of coffee? Smiling, all this, no, no, I'm good. How would, your, how would you trip in? All good. And she leaned back in her chair and she would simply say, so tell me a story. And the first time it happened, I, I thought, is that it? Like, what, what do you mean? That's what I'm thinking. And in many cases, the candidate would say, well, what kind of story? And she was not going to help him. Just tell me a story. And I was completely stunned by that and the reactions I was just waiting for. Him. And I often use it now when I interview people for potential jobs or when I talk to students. And uh, it's a little alarming for people to be asked that right out of the gate. So I think it was ingenious because in the end, no matter how we do our jobs and practically any profession that you can think of, we are all storytellers. Now, you and I, we are in particular, uh, a particular vein storytellers, but in general, life is all about stories. That's exactly correct. I mean, we are vain in storytelling, but then again, we have a lot of stories to tell. Yeah, you know, I was at a, I was down in Atlanta and visiting some friends and there was a transplanted Chicagoan down there. And this guy could not stop asking me questions. I had never met him before. He was, it was unbelievable. And you do, you, you don't think you have this catalog of stories in your mind, but he wanted to hear them all. Every play-by-play announcer loves to have a signature call. It's natural, but in some cases it just happens And it certainly did with you, Jeff. Tell me a story I don't know. How Devin Hester prompted you to utter three words that are now part of the sports lexicon. From his five, Hester starts at the 10, veering right now, angling to the middle at the 20, hits the gas, 25, 30, 35, 40. Forget it! Nobody's going to get him! Long gone! Devin (laughs) Hester, you are ridiculous! 10, 5, dancing to the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! It was never planned, but I use that word repeatedly. That is my stock answer because you've known me a long time. I usually pair it with a, a, a no-no word with it. So uh, usually <laughs> something is effing ridiculous. Um, and I, I say that many times, many, many, many times. But I think it just caught me so off guard. It was St. Louis in 2006, his rookie year, the Super Bowl year for the Bears. And it was the second, I believe it was the second, 
return touchdown that game. And I knew it was going to happen. And that's why it just shook me and had me really an out-of-body experience when you think about it, because, you know, it's hard not to be a fan when you're calling games, but you can't be, you, you got to call the game. Otherwise you're going to miss a lot. And I just remember the gap between where he caught the ball and the closest defender. And I'm like, this is ring it up. And in my mind, I'm already building up. And it, it took a matter of seconds for him to get in the end zone. And I just let loose because it was the second one. How many times are teams going to kick to him? And I think it was just that exuberance and really a, a stunning reality that, you know, this guy is unique and special. And I just ripped out Devin Hester. I just draw it out. Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. Because I remember in St. Louis, the, the ceiling in the, in the broadcast booth, the old St. Louis RCA Dome, Tom would always hit his head on the ceiling. Because it, it, it just, <laughs> he'd get up out of his chair and hit his head because it was just so low. And the TVs were hanging right near our, near our head as well. So you could hit your head on the TV. And I glanced up at the television and the television broadcast had a, uh, a cutaway shot of Lovey Smith, and I, and I just used it, and I said, Lovey Smith's jaw just literally dropped, because that's what it was. He was in stunned amazement, or pardon Jim Durham, stunned silence. You know, I mean, it was just, it was, and so I didn't think anything of it. I, I honestly thought nothing of it, because I say that word all the time. No big deal. So I get down to get on the team bus to get to the airport to ride home. And the first person I see is Mike Mulligan, who was working at, at the paper at that time before his radio career. And he goes, oh, yeah, you know, the Bears, you know, I, I think he was saying they were lucky to win or something like that. I don't remember the outcome of the game in terms of the score. Uh, but he goes, oh, yeah, your call, your call, your call. I go, what call? And he goes, oh, yeah, come on, don't be that way. But, you know, it's all over the place. And I'm like, is the Hester one? And that's all I that's all I said. And the next morning, the world changed, you know, for me, honestly, because that that became craziness. Everybody stopping you on the street. You know, funny story about my good friend and your good friend Luke Canellis. To this day, people get us confused when we're out of town or even downtown. And recently, uh, a guy in Miami stopped him and he said, Hey Jeff, Joe, give me a you are ridiculous. So he's sick of it now to the point that he just does not say he's not Jeff Jones, okay? Now, frankly, he can't deliver it like I can deliver it because I've been working on that for a lifetime in my daily language. So, you know, Lou, you are ridiculous. Hey, did you ever realize that ridiculous would mushroom into what no. it is even now? No, 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 no. I, I still get it I, every day. There's somebody, everybody does a, I'll go to a bar. Hey, you know, these guys that want to buy you a shot, they say you're ridiculous. You know, they, they recognize you or whatever. And I just think it's it's hilarious because um, it's an unintended uh, reality. But, you know, that year I started out with something I did come up with with Devin Hester. That was the Green Bay game, the opener, and he returned a kickoff in that game to start his career, and I called him the Windy City Flyer. Sends it high up in the air. It's going to back up Devin Hester to his 16-yard line. He's going to return it. He's going to run right, and with a burst to the 25-30, opening 35-40, right side midfield. Got to block that field to the 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, no chance, goodbye, touchdown. Welcome to the NFL, the Windy City Flyer, Devin Hester <laughs> takes it back 84 yards, baby. I thought that was a, a pretty good nickname for a guy who ran a 4-2-40 and had moves like I've never seen since Gale Sayers. And, you know, that, that I thought was going to stick, and here's a story you don't know. I'm at a Bears fan convention 
a couple of years later. And I literally stopped in mid MC mode because there's a guy in the front seat with a shirt that says Windy City Flyer in the Chicago skyline. Now, for years, people told me, hey, you got to quantify your your language like you, you know, monetize it, you know, make money. Mm-hmm. And I never once thought about doing that. I, I'm not the world's uh, greatest capitalist, I guess. But I stopped. I pulled away the mic. I go, hey, buddy, where'd you get that shirt? What do you mean? I got it at Walgreens. Typical Bears fan. I got it at Walgreens. And I was so ticked off. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But Devin, Devin once told me he, when he was living here in Chicago, he had a mural painted of the Chicago skyline and Windy City Flyer on his wall in his house. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, really and truly, it was an apt description because the NFL it really hadn't experienced a player so explosive as him since Deion Sanders and, and of course, Gail Sayers. I've contended this for years now, Jeff. Devin Hester belongs in the Hall of Fame. If yeah. for no reason, he changed the game. No, no, that's 100% accurate. I've said it a million times. He single-handedly changed the way teams build their special teams units, both punt and kickoff return. Seriously, they had to deal with this guy. And you know what? Everybody stopped kicking to him for a while, but they if a miss punt, miss hit, I mean, happens. I mean, I remember the Denver game, Todd Sauerbrunn, the former Bears punter, you know, miss hit a second time to Devin, and he just he, he leaped Sauerbrunn to get, in, get into the open field and finish the job. Uh, you know, and every player that blocked for him couldn't wait to get out there. And you name it, they were out there. Charles Tillman must have been on almost every one of those. He couldn't wait. First hand up. And that, and that was the true spirit of Devin. Everybody got off, up, off, off the bench and they want to watch this guy go to work. And there, you know, it, you, what, you had to be ready. The Super Bowl. All I was, ner- first of all, what little kid grows up thinking they're going to call a Super Bowl? Not this one. And I'm there and I had my uncle there, my, my family, and I was a nervous wreck. I remember walking up into the stands before the game to see my uncle, who was very close to me. My dad died young, and he was, he was like a dad to me. And, and I just started bawling. And all these fans, you know, they, they recognized me as I walked up there. And he had never witnessed this before. You should have seen the tears in his eyes. So I'm an emotional wreck. Uh, we ran an interview with Mike Brown uh, before the game, Saturday night before the Super Bowl. He says, uh, Joniak, grab your recorder. I'm like, what? So we went out by the pool in Miami at the airport hotel, and he's bawling his eyes out, saying how much he wishes he was able to play in that game, telling me how many people love him and that, you know, it may not be the most important thing, but it's important to him that, you know, he, he wished he would have played. And it was so emotional. First thing we played in our broadcast before the Super Bowl, not a dry eye in there. We're talking Hilgenberg, Schwantz. Even Tom there, it was an emotional experience, honestly. So opening kickoff, all I want to do is, you know, flashbulbs pulping and we're underway at, at, at Miami. And never once, never once did I consider he would take the opening kickoff of the Super Bowl, which had never been done and has not been done since for a touchdown. So I was nervous. And as soon as he made a patented cut in the middle of the field, I said, oh, my God. One half of my brain is thinking, this is going to go. You got to capture this moment. It's the Super Bowl. And the other one, you're describing it. Vinatieri on the approach platform. Popping here in Miami. It sails to the far side around the eight-yard line to Hester. 
under it. And to the middle with the 15, to the 20, breaks free of the 25, to the 30, to the outside, 40, midfield, 40, 30 of the coach, 20, 15, Hester 5. And I swear it was a slow motion, out of body experience. And I just let it rip. And I blew out my voice on that call. And Devin was looking up at the scoreboard and I'm like, come on, get there, get there, get there. And I just let loose. And I took, it took one year for me to listen to that broadcast because I was so fearful that I didn't give it its due. One but year. I, yep. I was afraid to listen to it. Well, I remember, I remember I was with, how can you forget, you know, three very close friends and we were screaming at the top of our lungs because it just seemed, well, you think it seems unlikely and then you realize who the person is and it happens. You are very passionate, I think we all know it, calling the Bears. And yet it has to be somewhat disappointing that over these 20 years, you've only done one Super Bowl. And I'm thinking now you're probably desperate to do another. Well, of course, I mean, it's a dream, but you know, it just, it underscores just how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl and the people that the teams that do you usually have a quarterback that's, uh, you know, one of the franchise quarterbacks and one of the best in the NFL and a hall of famer. So it's, forget about the Super Bowl. It's just the number of playoff games that there haven't been many, you know, in 2001, which happened to me on my first year, they went to the playoffs before soldier field was uh, torn down and, and reconstructed. That was against the Eagles. And then you go to Lovey Smith in 2005. Uh, that was a one and done against Carolina uh, in the Steve Smith game, whom I, whom I later met at the Super Bowl at a bar in, in a restaurant. And I went up to him and said, that was one of the best single game performances at wide receiver I've ever seen. And he goes, I don't know what you're all, all upset about. He goes, you knew it was going to happen. It was one of the funniest lines. He just dominated the Bears that day in the defense. And then 2006, obviously the Super Bowl run, and then not again until 2010, a couple of games, including the NFC Championship game until 2018, where they get back into the playoffs and, uh, and the Cody Parkey game. So, yeah, there haven't been many playoff games. And that, that's you, – you don't talk about enthusiasm and excitement and adrenaline. There's nothing like a playoff game. I know you love hockey, and I, I've become more interested in hockey over the years and playoff hockey in particular – there's nothing like it, right? Well, there's nothing like an NFL playoff game, certainly in this town when it's a home game and every snap matters. It's not, there's just every single, and you're just dialed in. You're just like, everything is tuned out. You're dialed into every single snap. Who doesn't love jewelry? Who wouldn't love Rawl Jewelers? Family owned and operated for nearly 40 years, Rawl Jewelers offers the very best in fine jewelry and engagement rings, including mined and lab-grown diamonds. And they utilize the latest technology and offer jewelry repair on the premises. Rawl Jewelers has a glittering array of rings, necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and watches, and offers custom-designed jewelry on the premises. And if you have the most specific questions, Rawl Jewelers has four graduate gemologists on staff. With over 200 years of combined experience and expertise, it's no wonder Rawl Jewelers is one of the leading shops of its kind. This is where my wife and I got our wedding bands many years ago, and it's safe to say, when you walk in as a customer, you're gonna leave as a friend. Rawl Jewelers is located at 3001 Barrington Road in Hoffman Estates, right off I-90 West. Rawl Jewelers, when only the very best will do. The 
The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Jeff Joniak on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. You know, I hate beating a dead horse, but everyone knows that this franchise has been devoid of that so-called franchise quarterback. Many thought that it might be Jay Cutler. So how important is it to have landed a talent such as Justin Fields? Now we're taping this before the season, but what does he represent? He represents the future. I mean, an excitement. I mean, you can hear it from the fans everywhere you go. Every single person I meet wants to talk about Justin Fields. What do you think? What do you think? Why well, tell them the stock phrase of any rookie that's drafted? Let me talk to you in about three years, because then we'll find out, you know, what track that player is or is not on. So, yes, he is enormously talented. He's got every tool in the shed to draw on. And now he's got to be coached and he's got to be developed and he's got to fit what they want to do. And they got to fit the offense to tailor him as well. So he, he certainly is the most athletic quarterback uh, the Bears have ever had under my eyes anyway. And Jay Cutler was very athletic and had a super arm. The first time I went to practice, the ball was whistling out of his arm. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've never heard that before. The ball was literally whistling. And, you know, this kid has got a great arm. He's got the speed. He's got the movement. He's very smooth. You know, he's got a track record of success at a high level of competition. Four-man rush. Fields has time. Launches downfield. It's a Crowd stirred up, number one, first round pick of the Bears, 11th overall, Justin Fields huddled up for his first NFL snap. Listen to this crowd. Starts at his 13-yard line, of work under center. Snap back, four-man rush, Fields hangs in there, starts to close, he leaves the pocket, ejects left to the 10, to the 5, bulls into the end zone for the touchdown! Touchdown, Bears! Let it all play out. Everybody wants to rush the shiny new toy out of the field, but... It'll happen, and when it does, I'd rather have him ready and have the ton other guys around him be ready for what's to take place in the years to come. And, you know, you want to dream big, but you got to also be realistic, and these things take time. Uh, there's always injury concerns for quarterbacks that are mobile, and uh, not that he's an injury-prone player at all, but, you know, it is the NFL, and that's, that's how it works. So, you know, it, it is important to get that what you want to be known as the franchise quarterback to have a better chance to get to the playoffs annually, not every few years and hope and pray you can get to the Super Bowl. But listen, this is like if you're starting out and you have damage to your house and now you're going to have to redo the house, you want to make sure you do it the right way and the way you want it. And that's the way I look at it. There is enormous preparation that goes into a Bears broadcast and for you it includes a long pregame show the game itself part of the postgame at a tv appearance at night and that's just game day so tell me a story I don't know what a week is like during the season oh man you know I don't I don't you know the funny thing is I you mentioned it I am a workaholic so do I over prepare absolutely so I developed a method from day one and I have stuck to it it has been adjusted over the years, but 
there's only one way for me to do games and it's the way that I envision in my head. I, I know this is a gift to do this job and to have this job, one of 32 in the entire world. When you put it in that context, it's humbling as, as, as all get out. So I, I just do a ton of research. I am meticulous. Uh, my, the board that I use or what you know, fans would uh, better understand is a flip chart that I use. I, a Microsoft publisher, it's a piece of art. <laughs> I mean, it's color coded, it's, it's big, it's thorough, and it's the just in case. Because in the process of doing the work, you're, you're getting gaining knowledge that, you know, knowledge gained is knowledge earned, right? So I may never even look at that board, honestly, during a game, because I've been working on it for several weeks, in some cases, several months, because right now I'm already working on the preseason as, as this is going to air later, but I am way ahead of the game because I want to get to know every player in the league. And not just uh, the 22 guys that are playing on Sunday, because these guys move around. I start in the draft process. I am crazy detailed about the draft, and that's a database. And when you've done it for 20-some years now, you have a database because these players change so frequently. They're in and out of the league. And uh, I just feel that that's the way I started, and that's the way I'm going to finish. Now, some people may think I'm crazy, but they can see the light on in my, uh, my office on, on the streets here in Glen Ellen. And uh, I'm, I'm working till God knows when, but I just can't stop. I love the game. I love football. And, uh, you know, everybody assumes it's just for the game, but it's not because, as you said, there's pregame shows, there's podcasts, there's other radio shows, there's coaches shows, there's TV shows, there's an analyst work, there's talk shows around the country that you have to do. So you, you have to know much broader scope of the context of that particular week's game than just calling the game. Calling the game is frankly the easiest part. Mm -hmm. you, see it, you say it, you describe it, you throw in some nuggets and you hope you uh, hope you nailed it and had your best broadcast. I'm still looking for that one. Listen up, OEMs. First impressions are lasting ones. Dynamic Manufacturing's impressive complex in Hillside, Illinois, includes nearly a million square feet of operating space. I had a chance to view some of it, and I was overwhelmed by the organization, technology, and dedicated workforce. Dynamic Manufacturing provides solutions for engineering, manufacturing, machining, and logistics, and they can re-energize your electric and energy storage systems. They can machine any project, no matter the size. And when it comes to motorsports, they're your trusted partner for chasing podiums with their custom torque converters. Dynamic Manufacturing is your one-stop for all your remanufacturing needs, and they can't wait to engineer a custom solution for getting maximum value from experienced parts. Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do. You've had the great fortune of working with Tom Thayer through your entire career, and he's right up there among the very best analysts and people, I might add, in this city. So what is it like working with that guy? Well, first of all, it's, that's another gift. Uh, you know, the very first time I met Tom, and he may have told you this, I don't know, we, I, I had a Blackhawks jersey on at the old WMAQ in a boardroom, and we were going to start, I, I was going to be a part of this broadcast from the jump in his first year, and he called me George Costanza because apparently the, the jersey was too big for me. I'm not bald and I don't look like George Costanza in any any fashion. But 
that was his way. That was his endearing way of welcoming me, right? Uh, because I was frankly afraid of Tom. When I started first, my very first year of covering sports in Chicago, part of it was going to training camp in Platteville as a pimply faced, you know, college kid, just, just getting out of college from Iowa State. And I still have tapes somewhere. And I, I probably sounded like I was 10 years old, uh, but interviewing Hampton and Hilgi and McMichael and Thayer. And I, I, it was nerve wracking to go in the old Hallis Hall and that little tiny, I don't even know what to call it, you know, locker room. It was not much of a locker room, but you had to weave your way through certain areas of the room and there were corners and Thayer is one, is one of them. And he, he admits he wasn't the nicest guy in the world as a player to the media. You know, he'd be crabby. He still is crabby every now and again, but he's my best friend. I mean, there's no, no way around it. He welcomed me. He taught me the game. He gave me my PhD in football. And he did it by allowing me to watch tape with him way back in the early days. And I just, I was a sponge. He took me to the classroom every day. The simple things of one step here, where hand placement is, understanding the excellence O's of the game that now I look for. And you know, it's not, you just don't plop the tape on and watch and say you understand football. You got to break it down back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's helped me so much that he's taught me that. Uh, the defining moments of the game are many, but a lot of it is linked to the defense and how they shut down that Minnesota offense today. Right. You know, as well as the defense played, it gave Matt Nagy more confidence calling plays offensively speaking, because you go the consecutive three and outs that you did on defense, you get. He's my passenger mate on the team flights. He gets the he gets the aisle. I get the window, and uh, he's usually first on the plane. I don't know how. He's the first off the bus. He's the first in his hotel room. He has a way and a map in his mind of just being first everywhere. He's always early. I'm always late. He's neat and organized. I feel I'm organized, but actually I lose everything. So that aggravates him to no end. We are like brothers. We fight. We laugh. We cry every now and again, and we are uh, quite both passionate about this game and this franchise. So I'm lucky. I'm very lucky because I know all the guys in the NFL in terms of play-by-play -play guys and their color men. And sometimes over the years, you know, you'd hear, well, you know, they rely on the, on the knowledge of the game they played, but they don't put the work in now. And you got to put the work in. And Tom is right there with me, shoulder to shoulder, putting the work in every single day. Every day, George, I know you find this hard. Every day we talk and talk football. There's not a day. 365, maybe five to 10 times a day if necessary during the season. But we're not trying to program our broadcast. Things pop up. He's an idea man. He jogs something. I write it down. We talk about it. We discuss it. And it's, it's wonderful. It really is. I'm very lucky to have him. But talk about passion. He's got passion too, boy. And that's a, that's, that's a very important component to have the chemistry we have in the booth. Well, with that in mind, tell me a story I don't know about the time you did a game in Denver and the temperature was a balmy three degrees. Oh, really? Okay, <laughs> we, we got to go there. We got to go there. Listen, many people in the Bears organization, Scott Hagel in the PR department and Roger Hacker, who's now with the San Francisco 49ers, you know, I've had a trip to, to, um, to Denver one time with my family in Beaver Creek, which is higher elevation than, than Denver. And I, and I, the moment I got there, I was having trouble and I had altitude sickness and which they believed at the time was a completely fictitious um, 
illness. But, you know, you get to Denver and the first thing to hit you, you know, mile high. And I, and I and they said I was going to talk myself into getting sick. Well, I didn't talk myself getting into sick. The true story, George, is that I did get sick in the middle of the night because Tom took us out to dinner, a friend of his, and we had a massive dinner. Now, if you're a little sensitive to altitude, you can't eat a big dinner and you can't have alcohol, at least not right away. You got to ease yourself into it. What do we do? We have a big meal. And I remember little Z, Steve Zerang, bought us a, 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 an after, after dinner drink, which I'd never had before. And now that, that put me to sleep. But then in the middle of the night, I was sick as a dog. So here I come dragging my winter coat. We're going to do a TV show at the crack of dawn. And I'm throwing up out the window on the way to the Mile High Stadium. So, yep, Thayer had a good one with that. Uh, I had to get an IV from the, from the Bears training staff. And uh, I remember doing my live shot, my first intro live shot for a feature for the TV show. And literally, I was white as a sheet. But I made it, George. I was there for kickoff and ready to go. So an assist from the Bears training department. If it makes you feel any better, the first time I visited my college roommate, who was a news reporter in Denver, I went there and his wife started serving us vodka gimlets and there chocolate chip cookies. And then we <laughs> ate dinner. And then we went to bed. And then I was up all night. Yeah, it'll I do mean, it to you. all night and learned a valuable lesson. Number one, don't drink right away when you are going to a place that's a 5,000 yep. feet above sea level. And two, don't ever drink a vodka gimlet again. I feel you. And you know, Joy, we're just weak. We're, we're weak men. <laughs> we couldn't handle it. Big Tom Thayer, uh, impervious. He's never been sick for a game. Ever been to the Polina Market? If not, what are you waiting for? It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats and much more since 1949. Their steaks are top of the line, but there's also chicken, fish, and those mouth-watering sausages. And you might spend hours just perusing their frozen food section, all made fresh. And now the expanded Polina Market offers beer, wine, and sandwiches. It's become a one-stop shop, making your in-store experience well worth your time. And you can still order online. I've been shopping here since 1984. Polina Market is simply the best and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at polinamarket.com. No one, I mean no one, does hot dogs better than Vienna Beef. That's because they've been doing them since 1893. Imagine biting into a delicious all-beef Vienna hot dog, dragged through the garden which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and celery salt, and just try that on one of their Polish sausages. Vienna products are available everywhere, from your supermarkets, restaurants, the ballparks, and zoos, just to mention a few, and you can purchase them online at ViennaBeef.com. And look for their farm acres chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Find them at ViennaBeef.com. I've asked this question to so many play-by-play -play guys, but as opposed to the greatest game you ever called, Jeff, what is the most electric event you called or reported on? It wouldn't be calling. It would be definitely uh, reported on, and that was 
Michael Jordan, you picked the game, but there was one at Chicago Stadium uh, before they went to Detroit and lost again to the Pistons. And he simply willed them to victory as he often did. And I remember being so moved. And I, 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 I do remember this. I, I, was, I was doing play-by-play into my recorder at the end of the game uh, against the Pistons. And it was, it was what every Chicagoan dreamed of, right? It's late May, I believe. It's the, it was a hot, humid day. The, the, the haze in Chicago Stadium, the place was so loud, your ears are ringing. And I was so moved, honestly. I got in the car. I drove. I was driving under the L tracks, leaving the west side to get to the highway. And I was bawling. I was spent. I, I was like, what did I just witness? I, I literally was crying because I was emotionally spent. Like this guy, this guy just moved me like everybody else. But, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you're on the floor, you're watching this. And I had the great luxury of being on the floor for a, a lot of those games being on the sideline doing pre and post game and helping out Lou when he was doing sports channels, doing his stuff. Um, it was just, uh, you know, and I could say the same thing about the Utah when he, when he was sick eating the bad pizza. I mean, <laughs> that was crazy. That was crazy. You just, you used to lose your whole objectivity and you're just rooting for, for this man. Winding down for five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Jordan, it's good and a foul. Now watching this situation, they double team him and then they kind of split and Michael just went right in between Isaiah and Dumars. There's so many of those, but then calling the games, heck, you know, the first game I did uh, was after 9-11. I didn't know how to call it. I mean, I was calling around asking for advice to people like, how am I going to call this game? Do I give it its due? Do I get excited? Am I, you know, that was an alarming Start to my career was the first game, regular season game was in 9-11, after 9-11. And um, I just called the game as I normally would. But, you know, you couldn't help but stop thinking about what's going on in the world and with beating the folks in New York. So I had friends in New York that, you know, were, were living it. So it was, that was an emotional, that was an emotional game for a whole different reason. I can tell you from an excitement standpoint, uh, other than Hester, those Mike Brown interceptions, they do it for me, Jeff. In the backfield, Beasley in motion. Short set, quick throw, slant. Oh, and it's going to be intercepted oh. off of Owens. Mike Brown's got it. He's 20, going. 15, he's to the 10, to the yeah. 5, to the end zone. Yeah. Mike Brown yeah. has intercepted the ball. The Bears have won. Now they bring into the slot. Jawan Dawson back oh, to throw. Ball is tipped ball up by up. Brian Robinson. Yeah, Mike Brown is going to score another touchdown. Mike Brown for the second consecutive he's, week. He's the there he's going right to the locker Don't room. Stop. And the Bears are following him to the locker room in the north end zone. Unbelievable. Yeah, those were pretty special. I mean, first year, and one of my favorite players, everybody asked me, you know, who'd you love calling? Well, you love calling Erlacher. You love calling Lance Briggs, but Mike Brown's right up there from the moment he got to the Bears. I remember at a rookie minicamp, uh, Mike Brown was literally telling everybody where to line up, and he was already an alpha, and he's the smallest guy on the defense and lived up to his nickname, the Tasmanian Devil, because he was, he'd have played in front of nobody. He loved the game so much. One of my favorite athletes I've ever had a relationship with in the 35 years I've been doing this. 
and still have a relationship with, he's pure passion. He's just he's just like me in that regard. We we and a, we, and a very pleasant person too, I might add. What's that? A very pleasant person. Oh, a wonder, wonderful guy, one thoughtful guy. One time at training camp, uh, well, when the Bears moved to Bourbonnais, former PR uh, assistant Jim Chrisman just but got a new car. And this was, we were going to go to Bourbonnais on a bus to check out the facility, media tour, basically, before training camp started. And Jim drove up uh, his new BMW that he had gotten. And it's a stick shift. Well, I never learned how to use a, drive a stick shift. So he goes, oh, get in the car. I go, why? Well, he goes, no, just start it up. Listen how, how, how the engine purrs or whatever. And I, he goes, step on the gas and turn the key. Mm. That's all. And all of a sudden it jerks forward and hits hits a pickup truck oh, right, no. right right in the parking lot as the co-ed from Olivet Nazarene was walking out to the car and his license plate is dangling and there's a dent in it and we are laughing uncontrollably crying laughing but it wasn't funny because I had to pay for it right and so <laughs> subsequently a couple weeks later at a veteran minicamp I'm on the sidelines watching practice and Mike Brown pin drop quiet turns around and he says hey Joniak you lost some major cool points bro and uh, everybody had a good laugh because that was uh, a typical Charlie Brown move by me thanks Jeff Joniak for telling me a story I don't know my thanks to WBBM News Radio ESPN TV Fox 32 Sports and CBS TV for those fabulous highlights and to our generous sponsors, Dynamic Manufacturing, where there's nothing they can't do. And Raul Jewelers, top jewelers in the northwest suburbs on Barrington Road and Hoffman Estates. Come in as a customer, leave as a friend. Also, the Polina Market, purveyors of the finest meats and much more. And by the Vienna Beef Company, home of Chicago's hot dog and an institution since 1893. Join me next week for part two with the Bears play-by-play -play voice, Jeff Joniak. I'm George Hoffman. And that's all she wrote. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.